You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking to our learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. And, uh, sorry about the throat there, my gravelly throat. As you know, we, we talked about it last week. We now have our own webpage, letstalktorah.net. You can get, you can go to any of the um, podcast platforms from there, audio, video, you can, you can donate, anything you want to send me, messages. So that's letstalktorah.net. Um, and that is just a great new resource that the show has, and we are so appreciative to Alan to putting that together. And uh, once we're talking, of course, uh, it's a great place to go to help the show continue and move forward. If you guys could help out all my dedicated listeners like you've been helping till now, uh, just go to that donate button, whatever level works for you. And for those who want to shout out, of course, we can do it in memory of happy birthday, anniversary, whatever works for you, happy holidays. It's all great, and of course, in advance, I do thank you. We are now heavy into the Passover mode, very heavy into the Passover mode. And cleaning um, is right there at the very top. Um, I don't know, for the husband so much, um, I think it was two nights ago, I'm in the kitchen, my wife is cleaning, and I'm standing by the counter, and she looks at me and says, if you're going to stand there, I'm going to put you to work. I said, oh, I, I got things to do. It didn't help. I went into the dining room. I had to prepare some stuff. And, okay, can you go downstairs and get me this? And can you bring up that? And could you take out this? So it didn't really help that I wasn't standing there. But it was all for important things. But, yeah, cleaning. Cleaning and Passover. Some people freeze over it. Some people do not. I am blessed that in my house, we do not get nervous over cleaning because my wife cleans year-round. We, we used to joke she could go away for a day or two, and I tried to clean the house, and I, I must have left a spoon on the table. Oh, I came back. The house was flying. I said, flying? It's just a spoon. But everything is always put away immediately. Again, she doesn't mind when I joke, um, but we always go back and tell over the story. Um, in my younger days, when I could handle a delicious, unhealthy breakfast, I had toast and eggs and cottage cheese. I mean, I had a beautiful breakfast, and I would prepare it and put it down on the table and the kids were little, so my wife must have asked me to help with one of the kids. I don't know what it was. Change the diaper, get the kid dressed. Okay, leave my breakfast. Take care of the kid. Come back five minutes later. My breakfast is gone. I said, what happened to breakfast? She says, uh, you, you weren't by the table. I thought you were done eating. I said, you sent me to take care of one of the kids. 
Oh, I'm so sorry. So you know, if that's your 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 mode in the in in the realm of cleaning, well then yeah, everything gets cleaned pretty fast. So really, really, um, Passover is next week Wednesday night. So we were gonna do the the heavy cleaning, and what we call turning over the kitchen and 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 you know covering everything in the kitchen and cleaning out the stove, all that, have, bringing up all the dishes and. And paraphernalia for Passover from the basement, that was going to take place on Sunday. But, but, um, um, Baruch Hashem, thank you Hashem, um, I had a grandson, and the circumcision, the bris, is Sunday morning in Chicago. So that's a little bit of a problem because I live in Detroit, so I can drive back and forth to Chicago, no problem. But then I just wiped out the whole day of uh, cleaning. So therefore, we woke up and actually last night was the heavy lifting. I'm sure later I'll have some more stuff, but for the most part, that stuff is out of the way. So I get people, cleaning is a focus. But the real question that we need to discuss is, what's this focus on cleaning? Forget about how to clean. Forget about that. Forget about... Like people turn into spring cleaning and they discover things they haven't seen for months and papers and, and, and just garbage they're getting rid of. Forget about all that stuff. What's this big deal? I, so I can have, the Torah says that not only can I not eat bread over Passover, and not only can I have a business that makes money on selling bread over Passover, but I cannot have any bread in my possession over Passover. Even if I'm not going to eat it, lock up the cabinets. You cannot own any bread. That's the law. Because of that, interesting enough, um, and part of it is customs. That was really, really, you would need at least like a the equivalent of a slice of bread. Right? So for most of us, you know, you look around, you clean up, you make sure there's nothing around. Okay, you find a candy bar here, and you find uh, some crackers over here, but shouldn't be such a big deal. But, but people really go over the top. They are scrubbing, and they are crevicing, and they are vacuuming, and they are wiping down, and the toys, and, 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 and it's a big deal, right? We don't, want, we don't want crumbs. Now, crumbs, for the most part, is just dirt, if there's crumbs on the floor, that's not food. I shouldn't have to worry about that. But the fact of the matter is that many, many people are searching and cleaning and crevicing like everybody knows. Like if the husband said, if the husbands were in charge of cleaning for Passover, yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's it's fine. Yeah, don't worry about it. Everything's good. The house will look the same as it did before, you know, two weeks before, a week before, a day before. It all looks the same. But since the women are in charge, it's going to be clean. And that's why they make sure they're in charge, and they sort of let us do some of the heavy lifting, but not, the, not a lot of the cleaning, at least in my house. So the question is why? What's this big deal of cleaning? Why do we make it such a big deal? So over the years, the rabbis talk about it, and they say, you got to really back up. You got to go to the source. And the source actually goes back to Kabbalah, to Zohar. And that is that when we look at bread on one side of the equation and the matzah, in the English it's leavened, 
or unleavened. It just means leaven means the bread was able to rise. The bread that you like to eat is all bread that had yeast in it and it rose. It's fluffy, it's tasty. Matzah is just a thin cracker. It's bread and water that was uh, thinned out and immediately put in the oven and it bakes. It's a glorified cracker. Except the crackers, they put salt on it, there's some taste on it. The texture is probably a little better because it's a lot of machine. Here people like to do stuff by hand. That's another conversation. Um, the, so the Kabbalah says that bread, at least during the Passover season, I'm not talking about the whole year, but during the Passover season, we look at bread as bad. We look at matzah as good. We look at bread as the evil inclination. We look at the matzah as the as the um, um, evil inclination, and I guess my my good inclination, right? In other words, we are going to look at the matzah and and the bread as diametrically opposed; that they're almost in a war. So, if my goal is to only have good in my house during the Passover season, so I got to get rid of every little crumb, and not only that. The rabbis talk about that as you're cleaning for bread, as you're getting all the breadcrumbs and all the bread stuff out of your house, you really have to have something else in mind, or it would be a good idea to have other things in mind. And that is, I'm not just cleaning my house. I'm cleaning me. I'm, I'm looking inside of myself to see what's inside, right? It's been a great year. It's been a long year since last Passover, but inside of me, am I the matzah, right? Am I good? Or I let a lot of this yeast, a lot of dough, a lot of stuff get inside of me, a lot of my evil inclination. So it's time to clean it out. Just like I I look at a room and I want to get every crack and every crevice and every crumb out. So the same thing, any of my evil inclination inside of me I want to get that out also. And that is really the focus. That is why um, it is for sure true. For sure true. Okay, I'm not sure if that's a good sentence. But it is clear that, that not only am I trying to clean my house, but my focus is to clean myself, to prepare myself. I've been reading a lot of stories lately that... Like anything we do, the more preparation we do beforehand, right, so the better my outcome is going to be. You can pick any example you want, right, whether it's in business, whether it's a meeting, whether it's, whether it's an athlete. The more preparation time I have, right, a, a pianist, right, orchestra, the more preparation I have, then when it comes to the actual event, I'm ready. I, I'm, I'm on autopilot. So when we get ready, and we sit down the night of the Seder when we're going to have the family around, hopefully, and, and, and we're going to talk about leaving Egypt, and we're going to talk about all the things God did for us, you can imagine the more preparation beforehand, the more you will accomplish that evening. And one of the things we need to accomplish is who am I walking in? 
So if 20 minutes before, I, you know, I'm putting on my, my nice clothes and I took a shower and I, and I walk in, I expect everything to be prepared, but I did zero preparation. So w- w- what do you expect to come out from the evening? Like, what are we going to get? So that's part of it. And then we're just going to take it with a, a little turn, but we're going we're gonna, to, it's the same concept. And that is that just like you can take a room that was filthy and you can make that room into a beautifully clean room. Uh, my principal um, likes that when my class leaves the lunchroom, they should leave it clean. And we had a, an interesting conversation today. They've learned over the last couple months to clean up after themselves, which is a great improvement, but the room still doesn't look right. And it's basically clean. Right? Now, they're not janitors, but it's, they've cleaned up after themselves. But what's missing is the neatness. The chairs aren't put away. And I, I talked to my class. I said, maybe you're not ready. You're third graders. Maybe the idea of taking your chair and, and putting it under the table instead of just letting it you know, be flying all over the place, maybe that's not something your brain is ready for yet. But really, you get all the chairs in neatly. Now the room really looks nice. And there's a few things that you need to make a clean room. Now, I happen to have a very clean classroom, and I'm forever working on their cubbies and pulling out loose papers and getting them to clean and getting them to put things away nicely. I, I, nothing is allowed to be on the floor, no papers, no pencils, no, no tissues, right? Because there's something to be said about cleanliness. So the same way you can change a room by making the room clean, right? You could change it. It was a filthy room. It was a room that just was uninviting. And now it's a beautiful room. It's a great place to, to learn, a great place to study. So too, I also can change. I can change. I can take if I wasn't as clean as I wanted to be spiritually, right? If I wasn't acting the way I wanted to act, if I want to improve on how I do things, I could change. I can clean. I could change. Which really is a beautiful thought because I'm sure many of you are familiar. If you're not familiar, I don't remember what number it is anymore, but we've got old shows about a mock Seder that I did many years ago, and it's somewhere in the archives, and I forgot to look where it is, but we put it up a couple times. Probably just go um, to letstalktorah.net, right? Letstalktorah.net, and uh, just in the find, type in like Passover, um, Mach, M-O-C-K, Seder, S-E-D-E-R, um, any of those things, and it'll come up, and you'll get uh, really... If I say so myself, we ran really a beautiful Seder over there. Um, in any case, so in the Seder, there's this, there, we talk about the four different types of children. Because the Seder night is all about um, children. We talk about the four types of children. There's the wicked son. There's the wise son. There's a righteous son. There's wicked. There's wise. There's simple. He's not intelligent. And there's the one who doesn't ask questions, which makes him either very young or um, pretty much uh, unmotivated, uncaring. So we have these four sons, and we're talking to them about the evening. We're talking about that God took us out of Egypt and why we have to be appreciative for everything God did for us. And so what are you looking for? He's already a wise son, so what are you, what are you wasting your time for? All right. 
one of the answers I saw is if he's such a wise son, then he he shouldn't be asking questions. He he himself should be already well prepared. So clearly he didn't prepare too well either if he's got questions. Right? The wicked son certainly we want to change. The simple one, we would like him to pay attention to what's going on. The one who's uninterested or can't even ask. So again, we gotta pique his curiosity. We gotta help him out. So Everyone has the ability to change. That is clear. Everyone can change, and that maybe is one of the focuses that we want to bring out at the Seder, that just because you're the way you are today has nothing to do with tomorrow or nothing to do with five minutes from now. No one says it's easy. No one says I can flip a light switch and all of a sudden I become a different person. But I can certainly start working on going in the right direction. Um, once we're talking about um, that we're looking for bread, right? We're trying to clean out all the bread and we want to be left with our matzah, right? So what is matzah? What is it really? So if you've never watched, you go to YouTube, say matzah bakery or, or something like that. So they show you a fascinating process. We actually show the boys a machine matzah factory. It's fascinating. Just to all the stuff they have to do um, and all the people that are watching and how they, how they make sure the machines do things and how they clean the machines. Very fascinating. But in any case, we're taking water. We are taking flour. Now this flour... We have to make sure the flour never came in contact with water. So the question is, how far back in the process? So we actually like for the night of the Seder to use what's called shmura matzah. Shmura matzah does not mean round hand. Shmura matzah means it was watched. When was it watched from? It was watched actually from when they harvested the grain. Once the grain is harvested, we don't want any water coming into contact with those kernels. So that means someone or many someones are around during the process. And the, okay, nowadays it's a, you know, the combine machines, but getting that grain into the machine and then getting it to the, to the silos wherever they store it and, and making sure it's all dried out properly and, and then getting it to where the flour is ground up and then in the bags, the whole process. We're very careful that that flour hasn't touched any liquid, any water. No rainwater, no drips, no moisture, no nothing. And then we, it's a pretty fast process, right? Obviously, the flour and water is added. They know how much. And we don't even want too big of, a, of, a, of an amount of, of dough being created because you can't work. Uh, one person, if you do it by hand, can only work with so much dough. It turns it into dough, and they cut it into pieces, and they give it out to people, and they start rolling it out. And then they have the final people roll it out, and they poke holes in it so the so it shouldn't blow up and become like a big ball, and they get it right away into the oven. It's a it's a very fast process. In other words, they will they will allow the group of people to work for about eighteen minutes, not more. Some are a few a few minutes, less than eighteen minutes. And when the eighteen minutes is over, so any matzah that didn't make it into the oven is going in the garbage. Um, they're going to, now everybody's got to wash their hands and scrub and look under their nails, make sure there's no dough there and the rolling pins have to be replaced and the bowls are replaced and the tablecloths or whatever they were working on is replaced. It's a very, very fast process. As again, for 
I know they have these bread machines now. I don't know exactly how it works, how you know how long they put it into the system, but I know my wife makes fresh challah, and it's a process, right? You gotta you gotta put in the ingredients and the yeast, and you gotta let it rise, right? So it's it's hours of time, and then you gotta knead it to make your shapes or whatever you do, and then you braid it and you put it into the oven. So making a loaf of bread is many hours of process. So we'll call that the slower process of getting the bread into the oven. Well, matzah is a very, very fast process. So the question is why? why so why, why is that important to the whole Passover holiday? Because there's the, this matzah that we're eating actually manages to serve a dual purpose on Passover, and we're supposed to have in mind both of them. On one side of the equation, it's called poor man's bread. And of course, everybody jokes, it's poor man's bread, because you should look at the prices that I'm paying for a pound of that uh, hand shmuro matzah. And if I was only buying one, okay, it's not so bad. And since I don't want to shock any of you, uh, I am not going to tell you. Just go to your grocery store, not the machine stuff. The machine stuff's not so expensive. But the hand stuff... Whoa, that is, it's like gold. It's gold. I've actually had friends come to the house and they were so so embarrassed to take some of the matzah because they, they think it's gold. It's not gold. It's, it's matzah. And I buy extra because my wife likes it. If it was up to me, I would be happy most of Passover with the machine. And I don't need that much matzah. I don't need that much bread, so it doesn't really matter to me. But she likes it and therefore... Um, she can have as much as she wants. So, I don't know, 20, 22 pounds with all the people coming, whatever it is. And we're not big matzah eaters. There are people that have, you know, three or four times that. So, yes, the joke is it makes you poor. But why is it poor man's bread? Because in Egypt, this is what they served slaves. Because matzah, to a certain extent, is way more filling than bread. Bread is like cake. Right? We can eat more and more. I'm not saying it's a good idea, right? But we end up eating a lot, a lot of cake and bread, right? We like it. You see a bakery, you go in, right? You can't help yourself. Even this morning, somebody, um, they completed a tractate, so uh, a guy wanted to take a party, and he brought bagels uh, and with eggs, and, and there were danishes. Now, somebody brought these little cupcakes with icing, I didn't want a bagel. I didn't want a whole Danish. It's too much for me. So I decided that, you know, I actually deserve to lose weight because I only took one little cupcake with the, all the cream on top of it because I'm, I'm so good. And right? I actually told my body I deserve to lose weight because I'm not eating all that stuff. Okay. At least I didn't eat the other stuff, but the cupcake was fantastic. <clears throat> Anyways, but, but matzah is very filling and it was very cheap to make. Very easy to make, very cheap. So, so it's poor man's bread because that's what poor people would eat. And they would eat pieces and they would store it with them. And you go in Israel, you get the pita bread. I mean, it's pennies. The other side of the coin is because everyone knows the process of making matzah is such a fast process, it's to remind us how fast we left Egypt. That was when it was time to go, we were out. Yes, we had, there were 10 plagues, and we were there for hundreds of years, 210 to be exact. And then there comes the plague of the firstborn, and we're not leaving at night. And the next morning, the Egyptians want us to go, and 
all the mothers are preparing breakfast and they're making dough and getting ready to let it rise. And, and the Egyptians said, you're out of here. This is not happening. So we had to take the dough as is. We had to gather all our stuff, get ready, get the family together, get all the animals, start marching, travel out of Egypt, and then we take the dough that we prepared for breakfast and we baked it into matzah. Now, that means it had to take place in an 18-minute process, which, of course, is impossible, but it doesn't have to be impossible because it's all a miracle. And if God wants a miracle, let it be a miracle. But that's just to symbolize how fast we left Egypt. The music is playing. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Short and sweet. Thank you so much for the listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you for the production team. I have David in the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.